And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Joshua Wall walks in, got the one Major Junior. This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Cowboys Blazers. Hey, it's Matt Potter from the Guelph Storm. This is Axler LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Nathai Gaucher. I play for the Quebec Ramparts. Hey, guys. This is Ty Nelson from the North Day Battalion, and this is the Pipeline Show. NCAA. This is Ryan McAllister for the Western Michigan Broncos. This is Wyatt Kaiser from Minnesota Duluth. This is Brock Faber from the University of Minnesota. The NHL Draft. This is Adam Fantilli of the University of Michigan. This is Ryan Leonard. I play for Team USA. I'm Nate Danielson of the Brandon Lee Kings. My name is Adam Guyam. I'm playing for Chippewa Field. Hi, I'm Grayson Sochin. I'm with the Seattle Thunderbirds. Hey, this is Jacob Fowler, goaltender for the Youngstown Phantoms. I'm Connor Bedard for the Regina Pats, and this is the Pipeline Show. And more. Brandon! This is the Pipeline Show. Welcome to the Pipeline Show, everyone. Key Flaming with you, as always. And, of course, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best. You can get it in Leduc, Spruce Grove, or in West Edmonton Mall. If you happen to be in Western Canada, well, you can have it shipped to you. Go to wilhockbeefjerky.com. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada. Place your order right online, and it'll arrive right to your door. Thrilled to have you with me again for another episode of the program. We're going to get right to the news and notes. A couple of uh, news items before we get into like uh, the standings for the various leagues that we look at here on the Pipeline Show. The head coach of the Swift Current Broncos, Devin Pratt, was suspended indefinitely last week. That review has now uh, occurred. I've seen a very brief clip of the incident, if you want to call it that, which involved uh, some yelling and uh, the slashing of a stick. Uh, Devin Pratt, the head coach in Swift Current, given five games by the Western Hockey League. He has already served three of those. Uh, So he will be back behind the bench of the Broncos here uh, rather soon. So good to see that the uh, there was a process investigation that was carried out. In this case, it was determined five games is, is sufficient. Whether you agree or not, at least we can agree that there is at least a system in place to uh, to check and uh, hold people accountable, whether or not you think this was warranted in this situation or that it wasn't enough. You can always let me know your thoughts on that at TPS underscore Gee on the old Twitter machine. The head coach of the Bowling Green Falcons has been, well, he's been reinstated for about a month now, uh, but the players that were suspended pending an investigation there, they have also been cleared and are returning to the team. This all stemming back to a situation in, I guess it was August, where the head coach was suspended and some players as well uh, due to what was being described as a, a hazing scandal. Turns out there wasn't a hazing scandal. Article I'm reading at uh, College Hockey News by Tim Rapley described the situation. Uh, there was a player named Austin Swankler, led the team in scoring in previous seasons, but described in this article as a bit of a pariah, as a, a, somewhat of a, an outcast in the dressing room, was caught stealing sneakers. And uh, I guess when he was confronted by that, well, then he, he was actually given a one-game suspension uh, for that conduct. Uh, then went to the Bowling Green hierarchy and reported a hazing incident and immediately entered the transfer portal, left the team because uh, it's not looking good on the player. Head coach and the rest of the players in Bowling Green are have been cleared and will be back in action here right away. So interesting development there. But again, good to see that there is a process. Let's get to the CHL's top 10. The Halifax Mooseheads still holding down the number one spot. You look at uh, who's hot in the CHL right now. Nobody hotter than the Mooseheads. 10-0-1 streak. That's the streak that they are on right now. Interestingly, they're still behind Bay Como in terms of points and winning percentage. The Drakkar have played three more games than than the Mooseheads have. Bay Como has scored 125 goals and given up 84. Halifax has uh, scored 92. That's pretty good as well. But it's a far cry from 125, uh, but the Mooseheads have only allowed 57, so they are playing some pretty strong defensive hockey, yet scoring a lot, whereas Bay Camo, it looks like it's 80s night every night if you're going to a Jakar game. So the Mooseheads are ranked number one. Prince George is the top team in the Western Hockey League and uh, come in on the poll at number two. Then it is Bay Camo. 
The Kitchener Rangers jump up to the number four spot. I think it's the first time they've been in the top five this year. They are now statistically the number one team in the Ontario Hockey League, and they're on a streak as well. They're 8-0 right now. So are the Saginaw Spirit. And keep in mind, we've been looking at Saginaw as a team that's really underachieved so far, and they're hosting the Memorial Cup this year. So good to see them rebounding and getting on a bit of a run. They are now just uh, three points back of the Sioux Greyhounds for top spot in the OHL's West Division and actually have a couple of games in hand. So uh, Saginaw starting to make a move. Getting back to the top ten, the Portland Winterhawks and the Saskatoon Blades are five and six. Rouen Miranda, the Huskies are at seven. Peterborough moves up a spot to number eight. The Moncton Wildcats are at now at nine. And the Moose Jaw Warriors closing out the top ten. Top scorers in the queue right now, Justin Gill has 44 points. Then it's a trio of uh, Mooseheads, Marcus Vitacek, Jordan Dume, no surprise there, and Matthew Cataford, all with 35, 34, and 34. Then Andre Blaise has 33. He is with the Ramuski Oceanic. Checking the stats leaders in uh, the Ontario Hockey League, and Carson Rakoff from the Kitchener Rangers has company, Hunter Brustevich and Matthew Sopp, his teammates, those three leading the OHL in scoring, but it's a bit of a cushion at the top for uh, Rakoff, who has 44 points, then Brustevich with 39, Sop with 35, then you drop all the way down to Anthony Romani with 33, and Denver Barkey of the London Knights with 31. Keep an eye on Peterborough's Owen Beck. He's been uh, red hot here as of late. He's got 12 points in his last five games for the Peterborough Peets. In the WHL, well, there is a similar player who is on a hot streak. That would be Matthew Savoy, who's returned to the Western Hockey League by the Buffalo Sabres. Now, he's not amongst the scoring leaders in the league yet, but uh, with the role he's on right now, it might not be the, all that long. He's got 10 points in five games. Five goals, five assists in those five outings. But your top five, Jagger Furkus leads all scores. He's got 43 points. Then there's uh, a bunch of Prince George Cougars, Zach Funk leading that group with 38. Riley Height has 36. Andre Becker has 35. And uh, Trevor Wong in that mix as well. He has 36 points playing for the Saskatoon Blades. It's a pretty tight race, though, because uh, Gabe Clausen from Portland is there with 35. Tarek Parasak, who's been one amongst the, the leaders all season in Prince George, he's got 34. Connor Geeky with Wenatchee has 34. Andrew Crystal with the uh, Kelowna Rockets, has 32. So just like the standings in the WHL, the scoring race, uh, a lot of parity. Two clubs starting to separate themselves in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. No surprise, the Brooks Bandits are there, and the Sherwood Park Crusaders keeping pace. The Bandits have won eight in a row, while the Crusaders have won seven straight. And don't look past the Blackfolds Bulldogs. They're still very much in the loop. 39 points, just three back of Sherwood Park. The Okotoks Oilers are... Uh, on a bit of a heater as well, 4-0-1 in their last five outings. The Calgary Canucks and the Bonneville Pontiacs have 32 points. Starts to peter out after that. Locally, you look down uh, to the Spruce Grove Saints. They're sitting in 11th now with just 26 points. They are 0-3-1-1 in their last five. Only have two wins in their last 10. Tough times right now for the Saints. Meanwhile, in the BCHL, well, Surrey has lost. They're now sitting at 16-2, and two, their record, but still that's uh, way ahead in the Coastal Conference. Six points clear of uh, Albany Valley, and they have a couple of games over the Bulldogs as well. Victoria, the Grizzlies tied with the Bulldogs. In the interior, it's the uh, Penticton Vs, a five-point lead over the Vernon Vipers, who have a four-point lead over West Kelowna. So we were talking about parity in this league not that long ago. Well, teams have started to separate themselves there as well and we really start to see that a lot more when we get a couple of months into the season is that the case in the ushl well we got two teams with uh, virtually identical records fargo force are 14 and 2 the dubuque fighting saints are 13 and 2 they lead their respective conferences in the east it's the uh, fighting saints green bay right on their heels though and youngstown not that far off and in the west uh, behind Fargo, you have the Sioux City Musketeers, who are back by three points. Some teams still really struggling, though. Omaha and Lincoln, just uh, three wins in their first 17 games. The Chicago Steel have won just five in their first 16. Let's go to the top 20 in the USCHO college hockey poll. 
North Dakota is the new number one, getting 33 of the first place votes. Boston College, Quinnipiac, Denver, and Boston University are your top five clubs. Wisconsin, who was swept by Michigan State last weekend, they fall from number one to number six, and the Spartans go up from 11 to seven. Which, if you're the Spartans, are you not looking into that and saying, we just beat Wisconsin twice. Why are we behind the Badgers? They have a better record. They're 10-3-1, and and Wisconsin is 9-3. and I think you could make a case that the Spartans should be 6 and the Badgers 7. Regardless, Minnesota, the Golden Gophers are 8, followed by Providence, and the main Black Bears, who we'll talk about today, are sitting in the number 10 spot. 11-20 through 20 goes Massachusetts. New Hampshire, Arizona State, Michigan, and Western Michigan at 15. Then you've got Cornell, St. Cloud, Notre Dame, Penn State, and RIT, the Tigers. From the Rochester Institute of Technology, they are 20th. All of my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. Of course, the tap room is located in Red Deer, Alberta, but you can place an order online and pick it up there or in Calgary. You can find all the details on that by going to troubledmonk.com slash shop. Same place you would go to check the inventory of what's available right now at Troubled Monk. And you should do that frequently because it is changing. They always have some some uh, their mainstays, their regulars, but they also uh, change it up with some seasonal items too. I have three guests for you this week, and here is the order that you will hear from them. First, we're going to begin with a look at the Western Hockey League. In broad strokes, Perry Bergson covers the Brandon Weekings for the Brandon Sun. We had this conversation on Tuesday. The next night, the Weekings and the Oil Kings played. So this conversation was before that night, but it's it's a real broad conversation. We're looking at not just the Eastern Conference, but we touch on the West as well. Which teams have kind of lived up to our expectations that we had in the preseason? Some have exceeded expectations. Some have not lived up. And we talk about those clubs too and why that might be the case from there we'll be joined by ryan sykes who uh, works for flow hockey covers the ushl the american roster for the 2023 world junior a challenge which is going to be in nova scotia in in uh, mid early to mid december it has been announced it's the only team of the five entries that uh, has been uh, that the roster has been announced so we'll sit down and we'll take a look the Americans always do really well at this event. Are they the team to beat once again? Spoiler alert, yes they are. And we'll close things out this week with uh, John Shields. He is the radio voice of the Maine Black Bears, the University of Maine. It's been a long time since they were really relevant. And uh, this year they are, well, as I said, they're currently sitting in the number 10 spot. It's been a good year for the Black Bears. We'll find out why. What's changed? John has got the breakdown for us. Well, that's it. Well, let's get to the show. And uh, joining us first, as I mentioned, Perry Bergson from the Brandon Sun. Let's talk some WHL hockey next. You're listening to the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Cowboys Blazers. The Blazers, Stankoven, left wing, trying to work around Dory. And does uh, Stankoven is shoots! From his knees! And this is the Pipeline Show. Trevor is lonely. Yeah. So Trevor threw a big party and served salad. Nobody came. Mike is also lonely. Yeah, it sucks, man. So Mike threw a big party and served Wilhawk beef jerky. Go Wilhawk! Go Wilhawk! Everybody came! Wilhawk beef jerky. Because you don't win friends with salad. Wilhawk is the home of Alberta's best beef jerky. In Leduc, Spruce Grove, and West Edmonton Mall. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. I'm not some TV personality. I do love Heehaw. We are back on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. We're going to look at the Western Hockey League. Quick reminder, the Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best. You can get it in three Edmonton and area locations or by going to wilhockbeefjerky.com. All right, the uh, we're a couple of months into the regular season at the start of the year. I had Perry Bergson on uh, to join me. We're kind of putting our uh, 
our, our minds together and coming up with a sort of a, a season preview. Uh, and maybe things have gone kind of the way we expected. In some cases, they definitely have not. So let's bring Perry back on and we can uh, hang our heads in shame or in pride uh, at the same time. Perry, how are things? Well, I'm no prognosticator, but things are pretty good. I take no responsibility for anybody who laid money on my uh, nonsense. Well, hey, listen, we got some things right. Saskatoon's looking really good uh, so far in the season. I think uh, you expected medicine had to be better than I did, but they're they're proving you right. Uh, I don't know that anybody expected uh, the Prince Albert Raiders to be sitting third in the conference right now, but at the other end of the spectrum, uh, we all kind of thought Edmonton would be challenged to make the playoffs. Uh, I, I They're not as good as I thought they would be. Uh, I think there are some circumstances for that. But let's start with the team that you're closest to, and that would be the Brandon Wheat Kings. They're sitting seventh as we're speaking right now. That's maybe about where we expected, isn't it? I think so. And the thing with Brandon is the inconsistency. Mm. You know, there's times where they look like just world beaters. They beat uh, Moose Jaw and, and uh, Saskatoon back-to-back and lost to PG in overtime, like in about five nights in one stretch, and then started losing some games. So they're so hard to pin down, and even period to period, you know, they got badly outshot by Madison Hat the other night and then dominated the third period in a 3-2 to two loss. So it's hard to really pin down who the Wheat Kings are this year. I remember the Wheat Kings went on their uh, U.S. road trip. Did they not lose a game like 11-1? to one? They did. That was uh, one of those nights. That was the Portland game. And Portland is such a nice team. Yeah. Holy smokes. They are so quick up front. That's a lot of talent there. I think if you look at teams that head west, especially from the East Division, there's traditionally kind of one turd in the punch bowl during the, the trip, <laughs> and that was Brandon's. Uh, that was just not a good hockey game for them. It's sort of everything that could go wrong did go wrong. That really is a, a difficult trip. I know most teams uh, that travel and do the U.S. trip because you're playing five or six games now in a fairly short period of time. It might be in nine or ten days. That's a lot of hockey in a short span with travel involved as well and, and lengthy travel. That that really is a tough trip for everybody. That's not just a Brandon thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I wouldn't say that it's just Brandon. Uh, like, for goodness sake, PG uh, faces this kind of on a – on a weekly and, and daily basis. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it is a tough trip and you know, and they're teenagers and they have to spend 24 hours a day together. Brandon's trip out West was 13 days. That's a long time to be together, but uh, you know, it, it's interesting when you look at Brandon this year, like Nate Danielson has his breakout um, NHL camp in Detroit. Mm-hmm. He's got 13 points in 16 games since he came back. And I, I actually, I was talking to him yesterday about it and just asked him how happy he was. And he admitted that he's frustrated right now. Um, you know, he's seeing other teams talk checkers every night. And uh, he, he actually, the words he said to me was, I'm not happy, honestly. I've been gripping my stick a little bit. I'm still trying to find my game and sort of get on a roll. Um, so I think there's a better Nate Danielson out there, although uh, hockey fans will remember that Connor Bedard thought that he was the hardest guy in the WHL to play against mm-hmm. just because of his two-way game. So I think maybe you measure him in different ways. But, uh, you know, Rylan Rorsma, breakout season this year, 27 points in 23 games. Um, if you're a fan of the fisticuffs, Matt Henry returns to Brandon's lineup. This is a fascinating story. He was driving a truck in his 19-year-old season and thought that he was done with hockey. He was just going to earn money. And one morning he woke up and thought, I think I want to go back to the Wheat Kings. And he did. Um, so that's kind of a fun one there. He named me another guy in the league who had a part-time job last season. Yeah, I have no idea. That's, isn't that crazy? Yeah, during the year, I don't know how many guys do that. Maybe in the summer. Yeah, but... during the season. Yeah, he's working at a ranch outside of Brandon. Um, so I guess some of the other things that, when you're talking about Brandon, Dominic Peter, uh, the check forward has been fantastic for them. Mm-hmm. Roger McQueen is in his 17-year-old season, team leading 13 goals. And he's a late birthday, so he's a 2025 NHL pick. Wow. And Brandon's had some good ones of those lately. Uh, Braden Schneider was a late pick. Nolan Patrick was a late pick. And Nate Danielson was a late pick, uh, like a late birthday pick. 
And, you know, if the, if the Wheat Kings roll into town, watch somebody like Quinn Manti on the back end. Just a quietly effective guy. He's, he doesn't play a big noisy game. He just sort of does all the little things right. They brought the spark plug Jaden Weens in from Saskatoon. Yeah. He's been impactful both, you know, on the bench and, and on the ice. Um, that was when they traded Dawson Pasternak out to Victoria to get down to three overagers. And uh, I guess the other thing just lately is that Tony Wilson asked for a trade. This is actually for the second time in the last year. And he was sent to Regina for Mateo Michaels. Oh, yeah. That was just a recent move. Yeah. 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 I, I, I sometimes wonder about asking for two trades in a year, but mm-hmm. but that's what he decided he needed to do. How has Quinn Manti looked here in his NHL draft year? Well, see, he was eligible last year, actually, for the first time. But um, he went to camp with Calgary this year. Right. No, Manti is just a solid player. He's he's a real hockey fan's good player. Like he, he he's not noisy about his game. When you watch a guy and he and he always makes that pass to the tape, you know, and as the first back to retrieve the puck and is solid defensively. Those are things that maybe don't stand out to the casual viewer, but I think the hockey people really like the game he brings. In net, Carson Bjarnason, I know the stats don't necessarily uh, look great, uh, although he's got over a, a 900 save percentage, uh, despite the not a great goals against average. But how would you sum up his season thus far? Like Danielson, do you think he'd be disappointed right now? I haven't actually asked him that question, so I, I don't know. Um, what I would say about Brandon is, one of the reasons that they're a 500 team is that some of the mistakes they make mm-hmm. and some of the the, uh, the situations they create for themselves. Like, for instance, against Edmonton, who were in on Friday, they gave up breakaways in the, 20, in the first 20 seconds of all three periods. Wow. How do you even do that? They gave up five breakaways in that game. If Ty Nash had converted on, like he, Ty Nash had all three of the breakaways in the first 20 <laughs> seconds. If he converts, that's maybe a different game. Yeah. Um, but that's the problem. The, the, they give up uh, some odd man rushes, give up some breakaways, and just give up some glorious shots. Well, the Wheat Kings uh, played Edmonton last weekend. That was a 7-4 win for uh, Brandon. They uh, meet again this week. Uh, in fact, we're speaking on Tuesday. That game is on Wednesday. So if the show comes out on Friday, that game will already be done. But uh, we'll probably use part of this uh, conversation that we're having during our broadcast uh, on the, for the Oil King game. What did you see from Edmonton that night? And right now, for me, just personally speaking, this team I thought would be better in the standings, but they're dealing with so many injuries right now. It's it's uh, It's been a little bit ridiculous in that regard. Haven't had a game where they've had uh, their full roster uh, healthy yet this year, and we're 21 games into the season for them. But what did you see from Edmonton? I saw a team that isn't probably as talented as a lot of the other groups around the league. And I thought they were fantastically well coached. Uh, They play so well defensively together. I love their structure. I love their work ethic. You know, you can see where there's the young talent in the lineup. It's just one of those things where you, well, you've watched a lot of hockey. You need those elite snipers sometimes just to bury the chances for you. Mm Mm-hmm. And not everybody is capable of doing that. And I'm just not sure there's enough guys in the Edmonton lineup for them to win on a consistent basis. Getting Ty Nash uh, back and, well, and back, heck, playing this year has been a big boost to them. Uh, but it came just after they lost Aiden Litke for the season. Uh, and then they bring in Skylar Bruce, and now they got Rylan Kovacevic uh, on the shelf. And I think they're down three of their starting defensemen uh, long-term at the start of this year. For a team that's needing to uh, make progress and, and kind of go up the standings, they're, they're really uh, up against the injury bug here to some degree as well. What did you make from their uh, their goaltending that you saw that night? I'm trying to remember who played in net. Kobe Hay played, and he was fantastic. I've liked him all along. It seems like Edmonton has played pretty well against Brandon mm-hmm. in recent years. For instance, when Brett Hyland comes into Edmonton on Wednesday, he's never won there during his career. Hmm. Now, that's a product of injury on his part and also COVID, of course, which knocked out some of those trips. Sure. But, uh, yeah, he's still looking for his first win there. Um, but, yeah, Kobe Hay has certainly played well against Brandon. I don't remember watching Logan Cunningham. Cunningham struggled this year. He was good last season. Let's move on to the uh, the rest of the, West, the Eastern Conference, rather. 
Uh, we mentioned Saskatoon is the top team. They're tied right now as we're speaking with Medicine Hat. Uh, the Blades are in action against Wenatchee uh, later this evening as we're speaking. Uh, but uh, when you've seen Saskatoon, I mean, they are pretty much what we expected this year. They're they're uh, a terrific team, aren't they? Every year we talk and we say, okay, well, the talent that they bled in the off season, they can't be as good as they were last year, and they are. Right. Like, for instance, dealing Connor Roulette, to join Berkeley Cat in Spokane, mm-hmm. you, you think, wow, like that's a significant hit because that is a very, very good player. But, you know, Igor Sidorov keeps scoring and Trevor Wong's fantastic and Brandon Lazowski and Tanner Molendike, like that crew just keeps doing it. They're certain, they're to me really solid everywhere. That, like, I don't know if they are one of those kind of can't miss, you know, going to win the league for sure teams because I, I don't know that they have that outstanding element, but they're still a very, very good team that could win the league. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like compared to to previous seasons where you ended up with the, in the era of the stacked teams in the last few years. And we're not there this year, right? Like I, I look, I think there's a lot of parody in the Western Hockey League this year. And I, and I like that because it keeps it exciting. It makes it like, all right, you don't know who's going to win from, from night to night. I mean, I'm looking right now at the standings, and from eighth, where Regina is, to first place, it's only eight points separating those clubs. Um, that's That makes it exciting to me. There's nine points between Red Deer and tenth and PA and third. Yeah, there you um, go. There's five points in the, between the bottom five in the west and five points between the top four. It's wonderful. To me, uh, I didn't really care for the age of the super team where – for a lot of the teams in the league, everything had to go right to beat them. Mm-hmm. I love when two teams take to the ice this season. You don't know what's going to happen. You know, I think we're in a year where Edmonton can beat a Portland, a Portland or a Prince George or a Saskatoon or Moose Jaw just through hard work and showing up. Edmonton did be- beat Portland and they beat Moose Jaw as well uh, <laughs> this year. So, I mean, those are two of the top teams in the league. Uh, you saw Prince George uh, firsthand, right? Uh, th- that's a pretty impressive club. They are first place in the entire league right now. Um, they've got lots of offensive punch, and they look like they could be one of those challenging teams, but Portland's over there. So is Wenatchee, and Everett keeps playing well, and Victoria is surprising me this year. They've really taken a step. Um, that Just like in the Eastern Conference, the West is really tight, too. Oh, for sure. And I noticed the same thing. Like I, no- I saw Portland... Uh, via video where I saw Prince George in person. Speed kills, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Both of those teams are so fast and have so much ability. They're both just a hoot to watch. And isn't Zach Funk a nice story? Yeah. You know, playing in Calgary, he previous season high of 41 points. He's got 38 already this year. And uh, it sounds like the Chase Wheatcroft story all over again, doesn't it? It really like does. 107 points last year. Uh, so it's always nice to see guys like that. But, uh, you know, to your point, those are very, very skilled teams. I cannot wait to see the playoffs this year because I honestly have no clue what's going to happen. Uh, because, again, with all the parity in the league we've already talked about, um, literally anything could happen unless we sort of hit one of those spells where all the big trades start to happen. I think there are, there's a team in each conference that is really underachieved to this point. Uh, for me, in the in the West, it would be Vancouver, and I think a lot of that has to do with Samuel Hanzek hasn't played a game yet uh, this season. I'm not sure when he's expected to be back. But in the East, it's got to be Red Deer. I mean, I thought they would be the top team in the division, and I know you had them really high, maybe even as the top team in the conference. They're 10th right now. And again, we talked about the parity, and they're not all that far out of contention if they can get on a on a hot streak, uh, they'd really work themselves back up the standings. But to see them where they are right now, that's got to be a surprise for a lot of people. It sure is for me. What about you? Well, they won one of their first six games coming out of the gate. And since then, they, they've beat Portland, too. Um, to me, I when I watch, like I watch bits of their games, they just don't have that elite scoring. Like, you know, you always hope that guys are going to step up into those roles. Yeah. And it kind of seems like they haven't a little bit. You know, through 20 games, they have six guys with 10 points. Um, 55 goals, four in 20 games. You know, they're still a great defensive team. It's always been hard to score in the Red Deer Rebels. But that's another instance where you look at the guys they've graduated in recent years. 
you know, Baines and King and Groob and Isley and Setoff. Mm-hmm. So much talent just in the last couple of years. And, and maybe there's some guys struggling to fill the roles at the level they were filled before. But at the same time, don't write them off. And then they were carrying three goalies for a while and traded the one who was performing the best in Kyle Kelsey, uh, now at Tri-City, which a little bit surprising for me to see that that was the, the guy that ended up being the odd man out. But I, I don't know what if you had a reaction to that trade. <laughs> Sometimes way back in the day when Kelly McCrimmon had four overagers, mm-hmm. he wouldn't trade the one you thought he was going to because the market was better for one of the other guys. Right. And I was wondering if that was the situation there where the gains were higher with Kelsey than they were with the other guys. That's sort of the way I looked at it anyway. Yeah, uh, it's quite possible. All right. Anything else that's uh, stood out to you in the early season here for uh, the Western Hockey League, good or bad? Well, I, you know, we've, we talked about deals. We've only seen the one really to me monster deal with uh, Sherman and Parker going to Moose Jaw from Victoria for, a player and five picks. But I think you sometimes have to caution teams that those picks can come back to bite you in a big way. Mm. Right now, Brandon has Brett Highland, Rylan Orsma, and Roger McQueen in their lineup from the Kale Clegg trade in 2018. That's three of Brandon's top six scorers right. from a guy who's uh, been playing pro hockey for five years. I know the Oil Kings uh, recently uh, signed... Um... Easton Mannix, former Wheat King himself. Uh, Do you have a a scouting report for us here in Edmonton? You know what I'm going to tell you about Easton Mannix? I'm going to tell you about the person. When Easton was traded, he texted me to thank me for everything that I had done for him when he was in Brandon. Hmm. I can't remember getting that text from anybody else ever. He's just that good of a human being. He's a very, very good student. I talked to him after the game. You know, this is a guy that's going to go into engineering on the ice. Um, he, to me, he can do it all. Like he, he has the ability to, to play some stout defense. I think maybe sometimes uh, he didn't have quite as much sandpaper in his game as the coaches might have liked, but he can make a good first pass. And again, just an outstanding human being. And, and ultimately, isn't that what it's all about? It is. That's uh, terrific. Well, I appreciate uh, the insight there on Easton Mannix. Uh, Perry, what do you got coming up for your, for your stuff in the Brandon Sun? Well, I've we have uh, Kelowna and Cam Loops coming in soon, and I haven't seen them here since I was a boy because <laughs> of COVID. Um, so I'm very excited about that. So I have some big, big stuff planned with uh, their trips back here regarding Brandon's previous appearances in the league final against them. So I'm not going to tell you too much about it, but it's going to be some fun stuff for fans to look back at uh, at some previous playoffs. Excellent, and happy belated birthday to you, uh, Perry. I really appreciate you making time. Well, thank you for having me again. Perry Bergson of the Brandon Sun with a look at the WHL's, mostly the Eastern Conference, but some thoughts on the West as well. Highly recommend uh, Perry's work with the Brandon Sun. Terrific, uh, in-depth reporting not just on the Wheat Kings, but on the uh, the league in general. But if you're looking for Wheat King stuff, man, you can't uh, beat Perry's work. Always uh, excellent when he's on the show. Still to come this week, looking ahead to the World Junior A Challenge with a deep dive on uh, Team USA. That'll be next. Plus the resurgence of the University of Maine Black Bears. All that's still to come. You're listening to The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Adam Fantilli. Spins a pass, though. Samuel Skevich up high, scores! The Sting ran over time, up high! Pierces one by Corpy, and Chicago wins a thriller. Four to three, Mackie Samoskevich, welcome back, Stingray. Hey, this is Mackie Samoskevich from the Chicago Steel, and this is the Pipeline Show. The Oil 
Oil Kings are Edmonton's first choice for family fun. Your Edmonton Oil Kings are back in the thick of it, taking the WHL by storm. And you can be right there cheering them on. Great family entertainment starts at just $20 a seat or never miss a game with season seats as low as $9 per game. Thrilling Western Hockey League action, amazing theme nights, and special price kids food combos at every home game for $10 or less. The entertainment value is king-sized. Secure your seat for the next action-packed, exciting Oil Kings home game today at oilkings.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. And here he is, having the time of his life. Hey, it's The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. We continue on and we're going to look ahead to the upcoming World Junior A Challenge, which goes in uh, Truro, Nova Scotia, uh, December 10th to 17th. That'll be uh, two teams from Canada. The United States, Sweden, and Slovakia will have teams there. The only roster that's been announced so far is the U.S. roster, and to uh, help go through that is Ryan Sykes from Flow Hockey. Uh, Ryan, welcome back to the show. How are you? Hey, Guy. Thanks for having me back on the show. It's uh, it's good to be here. I appreciate you making time. When I look at this roster, first thing that jumps out is, well, there's seven drafted guys already uh, who are uh, on this roster, including a goaltender, a couple of defensemen, and four forwards. Uh, and there's a lot of offensive punch. Some of the guys who are on this team that are leading their respective USHL teams in scoring uh, are not drafted yet. So there's there's a lot to look forward to here for this uh, U.S. roster. What was the first thing that immediately stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, like you said, the number of uh, already drafted players that are on this roster. I mean, you look at Zam Plant for uh, Pittsburgh, and he's in his third year now. Uh, he's lighting it up in Fargo. Um, 20 points there. He's uh, third most in the league. Chris Pelosi and uh, Beckett Hendrickson, uh, two guys on Sioux Falls that are both Boston Bruins draft picks, both doing well. Uh, Andrew Strathman, uh, he's a, he played in this uh, in this uh, tournament last year. That's right. Uh, so uh, obviously a, a Columbus Blue Jackets pick over the summer, um, back for his third year as well. He's doing very doing very well. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, uh, draft eligible talent too. So, I mean, in addition to like the Holinka, this would be another good, uh, international stage to kind of gauge these guys. And again, for the uh, casual fan, who's not up to this, uh, it's, there won't be anybody from the U S national development program involved in this tournament. This is not an double IHF event. So the, the program doesn't go to that. So it's very much like the Holinka Gretzky cup, uh, where it's, uh, it's not necessarily the top U.S. Uh, prospects, but these are all pretty good players as well, and we see a number of them uh, drafted every year. Uh, let's start in net uh, and looking at this roster. Uh, a couple of guys, one of them drafted, that would be Hampton uh, uh, Slukinski, who plays uh, in the USHL uh, for the uh, uh, the Fargo Force. He's drafted already by the L.A. Kings, and uh, Caleb Heal, Hale, you told me it was pronounced, Hale. Yep. Uh, uh, with the Sioux Falls Stampede. Uh, now, they're both playing pretty good this year. Uh, Slukinski's numbers are better than Hale's, but do you expect one or the other to be a starter, or do we see a, a platoon system here for, for the U.S.? So, yeah, one of my questions going into this uh, tournament was, uh, you know, can their goaltending match last year's duo of Jacob Fowler and Christian Manns? And ultimately, we saw last year them um, kind of flip-flop and uh, until Fowler took the semifinals and championship game, I think they're going to do something similar here. You know, uh, Caleb Hale uh, was very impressive at the the Holinka Gretzky Cup, um, specifically in that, uh, that Canada game. I kept it from being like a 15-2 uh, type game where the U.S. was just kind of overpowered by uh, Canada's talent. And then obviously you have uh, Hampton Slukinski, a Played very well at the World Junior Summer Showcase, obviously drafted by the Kings, um, spent uh, all of last year in Minnesota uh, hockey. Uh, now he's in kind of a secondary role uh, with the Fargo Force behind Anton Castro. But be a good uh, good uh, chance for both these guys to build some confidence and uh, see who kind of emerges from the pack there. I would have to think that experience at the Holinka Gretzky Cup might give Hale a bit of a, a head start here. But as you say, I mean, they might flip-flop and go with the hot hand when it comes to the, the last couple of games. And the U.S. always does really well at this event. I think uh, I totaled it up. They've got nine gold medals in the, the I think it's 14 years that this tournament has been held. So uh, this yep. is a, a tournament that the U.S. has dominated. And I think Canada does themselves a disservice by having two teams 
and splitting their talent pool in half. But that's the way they seem to like to do it. Uh, all right, let's go to the uh, the blue line for the United States. And and uh, Andrew Srathman's the returnee. Does is by default almost the leader back there? Yeah, definitely the leader back there. Uh, like you said, he's back for another. Uh, uh, um, he's back for another tournament, but his teammate. Tori Pittner is a guy I spoke with a couple weeks ago who was very impressive. He's got kind of a refined approach on the offensive side. He's the second most points among USHL defensemen, uh, seven goals, 16 points in 18 games for Youngstown. Um, yeah, aside from the Youngstown guys, I really like uh, Will Felicio. He's obviously in his uh, NHL draft here. So is Adam Cleaver. Um, both have kind of uh, been shooting the puck more this year and, I guess more in terms of like shutdown uh, defenseman, Philip Blaise Savoy is a guy to watch there, number 11. He's really suffocating. He's kind of like an in-your-face type guy. And then uh, Elliot Groenwald, who plays with C- uh, Cedar Rapids, excuse me, is just a big body defenseman. Um, doesn't rack up a ton of points, but he's, again, he's just really solid defensively. And I think he's going to be kind of a, an underrated piece to that USA blue line. Going to go back to Pittner for a second. He's a name that we know up here in Edmonton because the uh, WHL's Edmonton Oil Kings hold his CHL rights uh, and drafted him very high in the uh, WHL uh, US prospect draft. Now he's, I know he's, um, I think it's Denver that he's uh, uh, targeted as his NCAA friend, uh, program of choice, and I assume that's uh, still where he's laying. Uh, you, you talked to him just a couple of weeks ago, looking ahead to, to joining the Pios. Uh, yeah, he, uh, the day I spoke with him, he actually signed his national letter of intent. So he's going there. I'm not sure. He said it's 50-50 whether he's going to go there next year or in fall 2025 just based on his development. He may take the Strathman route and come back for a third year. So we'll see what happens there. Okay, interesting. Uh, and you say his game has sort of evolved. I know he, of the defensemen on this team, he's leading them uh, in scoring. I know Strathman, he's played a few more games than Strathman, but uh, all in all, I mean, those two players, both with the Youngstown Phantoms, should be the offensive punch for this uh, U.S. team. Yeah, Will Felicio, too, is probably up there. Adam Kleber uh, is shooting the puck quite a bit more this year. It's just uh, Lincoln's having a hard time uh, getting pucks in the net this year. But I think uh, Kleber is another guy to watch. He's a big guy, 6'5", 203, big hard shot. Um, You could see him kind of really immerse in this. And Will Felicio, too, another Denver commit. Um, it should uh, provide some punch back there from the blue line. Well, all the defensemen who uh, the two that are already drafted are already drafted, obviously, but uh, the other five all listed by NHL Central Scouting in their early season uh, rankings. Uh, and uh, up front, uh, Trevor Connolly, the uh, top-ranked uh, player out of the USHL for the upcoming NHL draft. Uh, all eyes are going to be on him on this in this tournament. Uh, what should we expect to see from him uh, outside of uh, his offensive uh, uh, prowess. Yeah, Trevor Connolly. Um, he he did. He was unstoppable at the Holinka. He kind of just did whatever he wanted. That was kind of his international, um, I guess, claim to fame, so to speak. He obviously has a little bit of the, the checkered pass that he's putting behind him as best as he can. But um, on the ice, he's as gifted as anyone. A little bit of a slower start for him this year, uh, I guess, respectively speaking. Uh, only has four goals. Most of his points have come via assists. Um, I think he's going to pick it up here, and uh, hopefully this uh, tournament will give him a nice boost to, to score a little, a few more goals. Well, I know, yeah, I noticed he's only got four goals on the season, but out of 20 points, compare that to Caden Shan, who's got 15 goals and 20 points. So they're both uh, highly offensive players, but getting it done differently. Is this when you've seen Connolly play? Is it a case where he's just naturally a, the setup guy, or is he a bit snake bitten when it comes to shooting? Yeah, he's been a, a little bit unlucky this year, and uh, like you said, uh, he's done he's done pretty well setting up uh, his teammates, especially like August Balloon and uh, like uh, Nolan Road, uh, who's now back in Minnesota hockey. But and up until that point, that's kind of where his points were coming from. It's just uh, it's just been a little bit unlucky in terms of finding the back of the net, but. Yeah, I guess quick on uh, Caden Shahan. He's been he leads the league with 15 goals uh, in 19 games. He's looking like a real solid re-entry prospect in next year's draft. Not the biggest guy in the world, five eleven, 165 pounds. But uh, I, I think, well, uh, Zamplin's even smaller than that at five ten, and he was drafted last year by the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
Then there's Max Swanson, who uh, just ranking them in order of offense in the in the USHL this year. He's next. Uh, and he's really tiny, five seven and just 157 pounds. But um, he's a thrill a minute player, isn't he? There's lots of skill and a lot of fun to watch, Max Swanson. He is, and uh, you know, I spoke with uh, last year's MVP of this tournament, Cole Knubel, um, about uh, Max Swanson. He said uh, that he was the best passer that he's ever played with. So. I think that speaks volumes to uh, Max Swanson's game. Um, like you said, he is he is small in stature, and guys like him need to produce. He's not doing it a lot uh, right now. Um, you know, that was one of my questions coming into this year was how is he going to be able to produce without Knubel and Brett Link and kind of leading that top line in Fargo. And he has 19 points in uh, 16 games. Uh, I just like to see him score a little bit more at his size. So let's see. Be interested to see if he can do that on the international stage. What else are you looking at when you see this uh, U.S. roster? Who else jumps out at you, or you think maybe this guy's a little underrated or under the radar? But he's gonna. You're expecting big things from him at this tournament. Yeah, so I don't think we can. I don't think we can kind of ignore um, Charlie Serrato and uh, Becca Hendrickson's experience with the NTDP and the international experience they gained the past couple of years. Uh, I think that's going to come in handy, just knowing kind of what to expect uh, coming into this tournament. But then also a guy that I'm keeping close eyes on, close eyes on, and I spoke with him. I did a feature story on him for Flow Hockey a couple weeks ago. Is Chris Pelosi. Mm-hmm. He's a, a Boston Bruins draft pick. He's just absolutely tenacious on the forecheck. Uh, I think he's going to be a real problem for opposing teams. Tell me about uh, head coach Matt's maybe from what you know about him. I know he's coaching at uh, Waterloo, I believe. Uh, does he have a whole lot of experience at, at, at an event like this, though? He was an assistant coach uh, in this tournament last year, so okay. now he's taking kind of the role of head coach. And I think he was uh, he was also the assistant coach at the uh, um, the BioSteel All American Game as well. So uh, another good event for him to kind of add to his coaching resume. You know, uh, we at Flow Hockey kind of did a feature on him last year as a, a potential you know next rising coach for him to possibly go pro and. Uh, it's a real smart guy. Um, I think uh, what well, he played with Tampa Bay uh, early in his career, but um, but yeah, just a good opportunity for him to kind of keep rounding out uh, in the areas that he's looking to uh, grow in. Ryan, what do you have coming up for flow hockey that we should uh, be looking for? So yeah, now that the, the college uh, recruiting trail has kind of calmed down a little bit, we're going to do uh, a summary. I just spoke with. Uh, uh, Leo Gruba, who's committed to University of Minnesota, and he's actually one of the players I was surprised with did not make this roster. He leads the USHL among all uh, defensemen in points. Uh, he's having a real good, solid year. But anyways, he's going to be kind of the focal point of uh, that college recruiting uh, trail, and we're going to do just a, a summary of the players that have committed uh, to the major programs. Why do you think he isn't part of this team? I don't know. Uh, I I don't know. I don't want to speculate and do a disservice to any of the other players. All right. Fair enough. Well, Ryan, this has been terrific. I appreciate you uh, shedding some light uh, on the the spotlight on uh, Team USA's roster for the World Junior Challenge. I don't imagine you're you're going up to Nova Scotia, though, to cover this event, are you? No, no, I will not be going up there. I'll certainly be watching it. So, yeah. Thanks for your time, Ryan. All right. Thanks for having me on. Ryan Sykes from Flow Hockey with uh, his thoughts and perspective on Team USA ahead of the uh, 2023 World Junior A Challenge. It's been a while since I got to attend one of those. never seems to be around the Edmonton area or Northern Alberta area. The last time that it was in Northern Alberta, it was in Bonneville back in 2018. It was also there in 2016. One of those years was super freaking cold. I think it was the 2016 year. Andrei Svechnikov. Uh, was the standout in that event. Klim Kostin was also in that uh, tournament for Russia, but got hurt, I believe, if I remember correctly. But it was super cold, like minus 45 Celsius. Maybe that's why they don't do it in Bonneville anymore. But it's in uh, Nova Scotia this year, in Truro, and it was there in 2017 as well. Dawson Creek had it. It was scheduled to be in Cornwall in 2020, but canceled because of uh, the pandemic. Same thing again in 2021. They finally did it last year in Cornwall, Ontario in 2022. 
So places it hasn't been for a long time, I don't think it's ever been in Manitoba, or Quebec, or New Brunswick. So maybe one of those three provinces will get it next. Beyond this year, I don't know if they've named upcoming host cities. All right, we have one more segment to get to this week. And my guest, his name is John Shields. He is the radio voice of the University of Maine Black Bears. And it's been a long time since we talked Maine on this program in the sense of, hey, look, they're having a really good season. Well, this is the year. They are back. Currently ranked number 10 in the nation, according to the USCHO poll. Let's find out how they're getting it done by talking to the man who calls the games for them, John Shields. He's up next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willox Beef Jerky. Hi, I'm Matthew Wood, part of the University of Connecticut. Power play is over. Teams are five aside. Sent out front. Score! The freshman, Matthew Wood, and UConn has finally dented the brick wall that is Jakob Dobush. I'm here with the Pipeline Show. talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegras. And they score on the lacrosse move! Jake Gensel. Gensel banks it towards the goalie score! Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. Stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. My goodness gracious me! Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Hey, everybody. An old man's talking. Final segment to go on this week's episode of The Pipeline Show. And, of course, it's uh, an NCAA campus report segment. Those brought to us by our friends at College Hockey, Inc. If you are a player or you have one in your family, you need to know what you can and can't do that can affect your eligibility. So get in contact with Mike Snee or anybody over at College Hockey, Inc. or their resource, collegehockeyinc.com. Great resource for that, and they'll answer any questions that you might have. Uh, one of the hottest teams in the NCAA this year. I always pick one team at the start of the season to maybe keep an eye on. And uh, for the second year in a row, last year I took UConn. They had a pretty good year. This year I thought I had a good feeling about the Maine Black Bears, and uh, they are having a uh, uh, one of their better seasons in a long time. And uh, the man who gets to see them on a nightly basis, calling their games on the radio is John Shields, and he joins me now. Uh, John, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on the program. I appreciate it. I appreciate you making the time like this. Uh, and tell me, from your perspective, is this the season that you were expecting the main Black Bears to have? It was a season I think a lot of us were hoping they would have. Right. <laughs> they took they took a lot of strides last year uh, in year number two of Coach Ben Barr's um, tenure here. Uh, this is his third season, but last year they they they, they improved uh, greatly, and so this year with Josh and Brad Nadeau coming in, we knew what they have, what they did in Penticton, and what they were expected to do. And Bradley being a first round draft pick, uh, there were expectations that you know they would have a good year and have a good start, and it and it uh, so far it's it's gone down that way. Six wins in their first ten games, six three and one, so. Uh, a good start. They played some really, really good teams too to start the year. So uh, it, it's a definitely been fun to watch. Let's start with the coaching change, and it happened a couple of seasons ago. Ben Barr comes in. His first year was uh, 2021 uh, slash 22, just seven wins that year, and kind of expect there's going to be some growing pains early on with a with a new coach uh, behind the bench. But as you mentioned last year, they jump up to 15 wins, just a hair under 500. And this year, already taking that next big step. What's been the biggest difference here under Ben Barr for the Black Bears? Well, he he's a great coach. I think he also is very good at creating a culture, and uh, and the players uh, are bought into it. And he he's a great recruiter. If you look at his career before coming to Maine, he uh, had everywhere he stopped before as an assistant coach and a recruiter, they were successful. So he is definitely a a, a coach who can evaluate talent. And he's got good assistants around him, Jason Fortier, who he brought in, and then Alfie Michaud, who was here mm-hmm. before uh, Ben came here. Alfie stayed. Alfie was part of the 1999 National Championship team at Maine. He was the goalie. There are two national championships here in Orono, 
and Alfie was the goalie for the 1999 team. And uh, he's been here a long time as, a, as an assistant coach as well and knows the campus and, and knows the program inside and out. So he's a great asset on, on that staff. So just a good coaches and, uh, you know, they're just committed to, to the program. It takes a while for the pro for a program to really take on the identity of a, of a new head coach. So you got to wait for his recruits to really establish themselves. Is that also kind of where we're at now? This being year three for Ben Barr and, and his group. I think you, usually year three seems to be the year that, that things start to really improve. You know, the first yeah. year, like you said, it's, it is you're coming in and it is what it is, and the second year is still you know still learning and still acquiring uh, recruits to come in and. So yeah, here we are. I mean, uh, I know some of these players were, were committed to Maine before uh, Ben took over, but he still has to sell them and and you know have them still come here, which is not always easy to do um, when the coaching changes happen. So yeah, this is this is his team for sure, and and it's uh, it, it's showing in the wins and loss columns that uh, that that you know they're they're ready to play. John Shields, the uh, radio voice of the Maine Black Bears, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. You mentioned the, the uh, Nadeau brothers. They're from small town New Brunswick, which is actually where I'm from as well, not too far away from where they grew up. Uh, and uh, quite the, the year they had with the Penticton Vs, and Bradley gets drafted by the Carolina Hurricanes as a first-rounder. It's a lot of pressure, expectations for freshmen to come in and, and be impact players right away, but they are. Uh, tell me about their first, uh, I guess, dozen games here with the Black Bears at the Division One level. You know what they have right now? They've been playing on the top line. The Nadeaus have been on uh, the wings, Brad and Josh. And then they've been um, playing with one of the seniors, Lyndon Breen, who has just been a great player for Maine in his career. He's played uh, uh, n- over 94 games for the Black Bears and in the 80-plus point column in his career. And Lyndon's the center of that line, and he's also from New Brunswick. He's uh, from Grand Grand Bay, uh, Westfield, New Brunswick, and so Lyndon was the best player last year on the team, the leading point getter, and he he came back this year for his senior year, and I think that's just been great to have that New Brunswick line with those those three guys, the Nadeaus and Breen, and it's just impressive with how well they've they've melded together. You know, Josh and Brad just seem to know where each other is, no look passes, right on the tape. Sometimes it's it's just. It, it's it's fantastic to watch, and and Lyndon's just been able to to meld and morph with them so well uh, that, that that they're a legitimate top line that any team would want to have. Guess we shouldn't be at all surprised at the Canadian content uh, for the main Black Bears being uh, located that close <laughs> to the to the border like that. But another guy who had well, he's had a good weekend anyway. Thomas Friel scores a couple of goals uh, for the Black Bears against Boston College, uh, and up to that point, I think those were his first two goals of the year. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but. Uh, he's now fourth in, in uh, scoring for the team. So another guy who's uh, off to a pretty decent start. Yeah, he, he is. And those were his first two goals. But he's played a lot of time on the power play with Nadeau's and with Lyndon um, Breen. Uh, Thomas Friel has come in and been like that point forward who moves to the blue line on the power play. So they've had a lot of minutes together. But, um, yeah, he, he scored a really nice goal right on the goal line. One of his two was just being in, a, in the perfect spot and uh, being able to to help generate that offense there but he's he's a fun player who always hustles always gives 100% um it, yeah he's been real fun to watch he was a freshman last year that caught a lot of people's eyes and he's back this year for his sophomore year improved every single game last year and we're seeing that again this year uh tell me about the blue line for the the black bears it there's not a lot of off, uh, offense coming from the, the back end but i don't know maybe the stats don't tell the whole picture uh, what have you seen from this defensive group? Well, it all starts with one of the co-captains is uh, David Brazil, number 37. Uh, he is a junior this year, and uh, he just he leads the, the defenseman. He's from Michigan, a Michigan guy, um, played in the NAHL and didn't have a ton of D1 offers in, in Maine uh, came, when Ben Barr and Jason Forche came to Maine. Jason Fortier actually said, hey, we should give this guy a shot, and he's come in and been their best defenseman probably for the last three years, if not the best, one of the top two, definitely, the last uh, three seasons. So it all starts with him leading the defenseman and being a leader. And really, he's he's a junior. He's got the most experience back there. The rest of the defensemen are, are younger. They're all sophomores or freshmen. And then after him, you have Luke Antonacci, who uh, is not the biggest defenseman, but very fast, very skilled, um, 
gets back on plays. Very, very good defenseman uh, as a sophomore this year. Uh, Brandon Holt is uh, another defenseman who plays a lot of time on the power play for Maine. He's out there in those big minutes. Um, and he might not generate the goals, but he, he's important to that, running that power play with his leadership and his knowledge. Um, another guy who's back sophomore year, uh, Brandon Chabrier, he scored a couple of big goals this year. He scored the overtime winner at Quinnipiac, who is the defending national champions. He yeah. got that goal for Maine in overtime, three on three. Next weekend, he scored another nice goal from the blue line. So Brandon Chabrier is a player who has improved his stick handling and now, I could go down the whole list, but uh, freshman Liam Lesikowski has been impressive. He's 6'5 as a defenseman. He also, uh, not only does he have size and strength, he has some skill with his stick and passing. So there, there's lots of bright spots. Ryan Hopkins was on that Penticton team with the Nadeaus. He's, uh, he's come into Maine this year. I think he's going to be a fun player to watch as the season goes on as well. Yeah, a couple of 19-year-olds there. Uh, so some, some youth, some veteran leadership as well. Between the pipes, you don't see uh, a whole lot of European goaltenders, I guess it's becoming more of a, a, a thing, but uh, two of them uh, for Maine, both of them from Sweden, Victor Osman, who's uh, taken over the net from Michael Thiessen a couple of years ago, uh, but he seems to really have evolved here and is giving them some steady goaltending uh, between the pipes. Yeah, Victor Osman, he's got a lot of experience. He's a senior. Uh, he's played most of the minutes. We uh, saw Albin Boya for the first time on Saturday. He came in in relief of Victor and made some nice saves. Uh, not always easy to come off the bench uh, later in a game, but he came in and made some nice initial save and rebound opportunities back-to-back. So it was fun to see uh, Alvin Boya for the first time on Saturday. But Victor, uh, it's been his his net, and he's got the experience back there for Maine. And, you know, he's been on a lot of people's lists before the season to be, you know, uh, all hockey East goalie and all those preseason awards that they like to give out. But uh, he's shown up and had some 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 big minutes for Maine and, I think uh, I know Coach Barr said before the season started that they had confidence in any goalie on their roster to, to play and play well. So uh, even though the minutes don't show it, I think this team and the coaching staff feels like they have they have depth at goalie if they need it, which is always a nice thing. Uh, I know some teams have made more use of the transfer portal than others. Uh, have the Black Bears uh, dipped their toe into that? Um, I don't think they've been a a, a, a victim of that no no players that i can think of a couple guys have gone just because they had a better opportunity to leave but uh, i don't feel like they've lost anybody that you would that you would you know be too concerned with okay. cole hansen came in last year uh, a transfer from colgate he's played some big minutes for them this is his second year with maine but he started his college hockey career at colgate so uh, that's the player who's come in and helped out the black bears this year they have two players who came from from bentley and one of them is harrison scott who actually has been uh, majorly impressive with face-offs. I think I saw a stat where he leads the country in face-off wins based on uh, players who have had 175 face-off chances. So Harrison Scott between the circles, and, and you know how, how important it is to win those face-offs, to get puck possession in crucial times, and he's been that uh, that person to do that for Maine. He's he's a junior, so he had some experience at Bentley, but he's come in and, and really helped out Maine as a centerman. Uh, Nicholas Nemo is another one who came in from Bentley. They both are Bentley transfers this year to Maine. And Nemo's a sophomore. Uh, he He's played uh, on third line, fourth line for Maine, but uh, has played some big minutes, and it's been fun to watch him kind of grow and, and see what, what he can do at the Division One level in Hockey East. I guess moving forward, John, uh, the biggest question right now would be how does the, how do the Black Bears respond after getting swept for the first time this season? And they, I mean, they're both close games, one-goal losses, uh, against Boston University this past weekend, but they get right back at, at it against New Hampshire and UConn this coming weekend, then Unley, Bentley, uh, and uh, then it's the Christmas break. It looks like it's setting up to be a, a potentially a pretty good December uh, for the Black Bears if they can rebound after this uh, the two losses against BU. Uh, what do you think the mindset is of this team going in? You know what I liked about the loss of the BU? I mean, obviously you don't like losses, but they were down by three goals on Saturday night in the third period, and they never gave up. Right. Where some teams might pack pack it in and go for, you know, go for the skate. But they did. They grinded, and they had chances right down to the last 10 seconds of that game to almost tie it. So this team doesn't give up. So I think we're going to see them uh, come out, make the adjustments they feel like they need to make for this next game against New Hampshire, and then against UConn, which are two big hockey East games. New Hampshire is the natural rival of Maine. 
It's called the border battle. Okay. Because it's the you know Maine New Hampshire uh, border each other. So whenever the black bears play the wildcats, it's always an extra extra uh, excitement for the fan base in any sport that we play: football, basketball, uh, all the sports that Maine and New Hampshire meet. It's it's very exciting. So that that's going to be uh, an opportunity for them to bounce back from that series at BU. It's going to be at home at the Alfond Arena, which is an amazing place to play. It's uh, three sellouts in a row already, and that game is sold out <laughs> for next Friday night. So nice. it's going to be the fourth sellout in a row for, for this team, which is exciting to see the fan base really behind the Black Bears. This community has really uh, come out in full support of this year's University of Maine team. So uh, I expect uh, uh, an, an amazing game against New Hampshire, who is off to a great start as well this year uh, next Friday. Well, I'm looking forward to it, and it is on the bucket list to get down to uh, to uh, Orono and uh, take in a, uh, a Black Bears game at Alphon because I've heard so much and all just good things about, especially when the team is good, that the uh, the barn is a great place to watch a hockey game. So I'm looking forward to that one day. Yeah, it's amazing. It definitely is amazing. you got to come down and, and check out a game or two, uh, plan a weekend down here. Tickets hard to get right now. It's, it's the hottest ticket in town for sure, <laughs> but um, – it's it's fun. It's fun when the building is packed and, and the energy is there. There's nothing like it. John, this has been great. I really appreciate your time. I uh, hope you don't mind if I save your phone number and call you again. <laughs> Feel free. Give me a call anytime. And that was John Shields, the voice of the Maine Black Bears. And uh, they are off to a terrific start. Last year I picked UConn. I think the year before I might have picked Arizona State. But it always seems to be one team that's like they're generating some buzz or some Maybe it's just personal interest. I don't know. But you got the Nadeau brothers getting there and a year three now for Ben Barr. Ben Barr's Black Bears. Try saying that five times. But I appreciate the insight uh, from Mr. Shields. That is going to do it for this week's episode. Again, I really appreciate everyone who has been uh, signing up to be a patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. Early access to all the interviews that you hear on a full episode of the program. They're all available individually shortly after the interviews are done. This week and last week, a little bit unusual because the uh, situation with my mother in the hospital. Haven't had, like, the free time that I normally do. And these last couple of uh, weeks have been, the, the shows have been one guest fewer than usual. Usually I have four. And uh, this week and last week, uh, just the three. But we'll see how long that will continue for. Certainly we have the World Juniors coming up like a month away now from the World Juniors. World Junior A Challenge before that. So some pretty cool international uh, events to, to look at. Maybe we'll start getting some of the scouts on. And we'll continue getting to know players ahead of the upcoming NHL draft, which I didn't have a draft spotlight of this week. So we'll look to rectify that next week. Anyway, that does it for this week. Before next week, get out and watch some junior and college hockey so that we can talk about it right here on the Pipeline Show. It's brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. And my name is Keith Flaming. Have a great week, everybody. See ya.